Uh, let's go to Trevor now. Trevor, you're on the air. Hello. Yeah, we were talking about the zombie fires. Yeah, yeah. We, called, we called them ground fire. But uh, northeastern Alberta in the 1990s was real dry, and the sloughs dried up, and you'd get a fire burning in a slough. And you could walk out there, and you'd never even know it was there. And there'd be willow trees, and the leaves would be dying on the willow trees, and you could walk over and just pull them up out of the ground, and the roots would be bur- all burnt off two, three feet below ground or a foot below ground. Yeah. And you could walk on top. You'd never even know it was there. And water will not put it out. No. Like the, the only way you got to use a track hoe or a big cat and plow all the way around it, completely circle it, and dig to the clay. You got to go right to the clay, and you just got to let that area burn out. How big was it? Like how big of an area are we talking about? Well, it, whatever your sloughs are, we had one slough here two miles across. It burnt out four feet deep. That peat moss burnt all the way across. They couldn't. Oh, they yeah. couldn't get around it. They tried corralling it, and it would creep out yeah. one spot or another, and it burnt for two, three years during the 1990s and Crazy. burnt that whole slew and that ash is is a, like a smoke ash and it's real hard on the lungs it's just a powder out there after it's all burnt out yeah i and, had no idea that this happens but apparently it's fairly common and we have a lot of peat around here and uh, yeah. somebody, somebody sent a text saying you know that big fire that happened out by tomahawk in parkland county a couple of weeks ago that's full of peat out there so that could be an yeah. issue for them if it's dry, it'll keep burning, and you cannot fight it with water because water, the oxygen in the in the water, will just feed it. It'll just create a steam in the ground, and it'll just feed the fire. It'll just keep going. Yeah, crazy yeah. stuff. Oh, we did it here for years. My dad did it back <laughs> in the 1930s during the Great Depression drought, and he talked about the only way is corral it. You yeah. have to corral it and, and dig let it up that area and stomp burn it out. out. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Unreal. Thanks, Trevor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 crazy stuff. I, I hadn't heard of these zombie fires before. I know that they talk about overwinter fires and things like that. I've heard that before, and there was a lot of discussion around the Fort McMurray wildfire back in the day about overwintering. And in the spring, they were out looking for hot spots to see if any of this had, you know, managed to go underground and smolder over the winter months, only to come back. 780-496-0063-403-974-8255. Taking your calls for the next 20 minutes. We have Patrick joining us now. Hi, Patrick. Hey, how are you doing? Not bad, not bad. What's on your mind? So, um, just want a couple comments about the new school curriculum. Mm. So, you know, uh, over the years, the outcomes on the schools have been, you know, has been going down. Yes. Uh, and that's undebatable. The costs are going up uh, on on education and, and school costs. Um, so, we have a government that was elected with a majority. Yep. They propose a, a new curriculum, and for the teachers and the school boards to refuse it, the teachers and the school boards, they're funded and paid by the taxpayer. The taxpayers are the ones who elected the government, and so for them to refuse to implement it, it's just like an employee refusing to do work at work. Um, what's the difference if a government implements a policy, a speed limit or something? Can I just say, oh, no, I don't agree. I, I'm not going to follow that speed limit. They, they, they have no place in refusing to implement the, the policies of the government elected by the people. The teachers are paid by the taxpayer. They are our employees. And if they refuse... Really, the school board, they should be fired. The teachers should be fired if they refuse. They're refusing work. They have no place in refusing to implement a government, elected government policy. 
Yeah, I, 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 hear, I hear what you're saying. Let me play devil's advocate here, though, Patrick. I mean, sure. what about the fact that they are the educators? They're the experts in this field. They're the ones that have to teach the curriculum, and they say it's rotten. It's not a good curriculum. The, the results are falling. They are not the experts. They are there to, as hired by the taxpayer to implement what we say. They're not, they're not there to put in their two bits to their policies, their, their um, line of thinking. That's not their place. They're there to do, they're hired by the taxpayer, and they're just too political. They're not supposed to be. They're hired. If they refuse, the school board should be let go, and the teacher should be fired. That's not their place. They're hired. If an employee refuses, or if I refuse to follow the speed limit policy, you just can't do that. It's not their place. We actually, the taxpayers, we're paying for their kids' education. We're paying for their houses. Right. They pay, so... So they don't have a place. In fact, so, do they actually pay taxes because we give them tax money and they give a little bit back? So without the taxpayer, it's not it's not their place to refuse. How did you feel when the NDP brought in the carbon tax? I I didn't I didn't agree, but I followed it. Right. Right, but did, uh, were you I upset by it? And I changed the government to do it. So it's it's not I didn't refuse. You can't refuse a policy. You can go through the whole process to change it, but you cannot refuse work if you're the taxpayer. A private individual is different, but if they're hired by the taxpayer to implement our taxpayers' policies, they do it or they leave. Okay. Got your point loud and clear, Patrick. I think, you know, it, it's it's not that cut and dried. I think there's some, you know, th- these are the people that are paid by the taxpayer to educate our children. And if they're saying this is not the most effective means to educate our children, that voice can be heard. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 worth hearing from these people. Let's go to John now. John, you're on the air. Hi, I wanted to touch on the um, the vaccine passports. So one of the things that kind of concerns me about this is that in the context of a pandemic, you know, where you have such loss of life and economic loss, there's justification for such a thing. Um, But when you start to look at the fact that the vaccine companies haven't lifted their patents on these vaccines, even though there was production capacity globally, um, so they protected the patents, and we didn't produce as much vaccines globally as we could have. Um, when I look into the future, I see that what we might see is vaccine companies lobbying governments to mandate annual vaccines for what ideally for them would be a global, you know, the global population, which is essentially mandating profit for these large companies and for governments. So there's a big ethical problem there when it's not in the context of public pandemic. safety. Gotcha. Yeah, I hear what you're um, saying. So- and I, I think you make a really good point in terms of the, the patents and things like that. Um, I understand that these are businesses producing the vaccines. And I, I've said a lot of times, I think right back at the beginning of this whole situation, um, governments around the world should have united and come together and met with these people and said, uh, we're going to work with you on this. We're, it's not going to cost you. You're still going to make boatloads of money, but we're going to help implement some sort of a program and uh, we'll build facilities, whatever the case may be, to flood the globe with vaccines. I think that's something that the world community should have come together and, and done. Uh, 
that ship has sailed. We're too far behind. But yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of questions around ethics. We, we're, every single day, a new one comes up. Let's go to Darren. Uh, Darren, you're on the air. Morning, Shay. How are Hi. you? Good. Good. Um, <clears throat> I just wanted to bring up a point, and I haven't heard much about it, just a little bit, but I think it's a really uh, critical thing that, once again, um, is kind of getting under the radar. Um, I, I've called you before. You know I'm not a big fan of our clown prince in Ottawa, but this uh, this thing that he's doing with, or that Quebec is actually doing, where they're unilaterally deciding that they can change. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and he's not contesting it at all. No, you're right. We're going to have a guest on next week. We're working on that. We were discussing that today. We're going to get a guest on and just how, you know, with what Quebec's doing in terms of changing of the, you know, the Constitution and things like that and how the rest of the country should be paying attention to that. And and it's people aren't even looking at it. And he's said many times how he wants to change this country. Well, this will drastically change the country. And I, I, I have one other question, too. If it was Alberta or B.C., or even Ontario doing that, would he be saying, oh, no, they can't do that? Yeah. Just the fact, like, he wants to protect his votes in Quebec, and this is going to take the Canadian, uh, like, Meech Lake, throw it out the window, is a complete waste of time. Like, I mean, I don't know why people are just giving this guy a free pass to do whatever he wants with this country, because it's ridiculous, and he is. He is changing the country. Make no mistake about it. And this is a really slippery slope. If Quebec is given the right to do it, what's to stop Alberta or B.C. or Newfoundland or saying, you know, we're going to do this. No, I hear you. Yeah, and it's something that we are going to talk about. As I said, we discussed that this morning and and decided that, yeah, this is something that we need to get on the air. Uh, So you can look forward to a guest on that situation coming up. Next week, we're going to work on that. Let's go to Nicole now. Nicole, you're on the air. Hi, good morning. Um, I'm just calling in regards to the curriculum. Yes. Uh, I'm a teacher and a parent, and uh, I feel that if you read through the documents, um, that teachers' voices should be heard as experts. Um, I look at my doctor, who's paid by the government, and I consider her the expert, not you know what I mean? Like yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like if the government yeah. suddenly came out and said we aren't going to treat um, X, Y, and Z because we no longer think it's a disease, and all the doctors in the province said, "Wait a minute, that is a disease. I see it every day, and I know how to treat it, and I know how to handle it." I don't think this guy would be making the same point that, "Yeah, well, you just go along with what the government says." Exactly, because we see every day what kids struggle with and what they need, and I think it's to uh, the relationship with the minister of education isn't boding well for her with teachers. Um, You know, even when she's on her live Q&As and she says for math, teach them the easiest way. Well, that just shows a lack of understanding because the easiest way is different with every kid. But anyways, that's just my my event. Okay, thanks, Nicole. Thanks. Sounds Bye. like somebody needs your attention there. Um, yeah, the whole curriculum one is tough for me because I th- I think there are obviously some issues with the curriculum. And uh, we've had guests on the air pointing out where this curriculum doesn't necessarily meet the needs of Alberta students. But at the same time, at the same time, I don't know if we're getting a completely 100% objective look at the state of things. I think it has become hyper-politicized hyper-politicized, and there is a lot of people who hate it more than they might hate it if it was an NDP government that put it forward. Uh, so I think there are issues, and those need to be explored and examined and dealt with, um, but I think there's a lot of political partisan discussion around it as well that is really influencing the situation.